Welcome back to another episode of the Only Up From Here Sports Podcast. Today is Thursday, February 13th, and I am your host, Austin Ravage, joined alongside by my co-host, Aiden Lauks. And today's episode is brought to you guys by Kemptum Hotels and Restaurants. If you are looking to book that hotel, do it through Kemptum, because with every lead they gather from us here at the Only Up From Here Podcast, they will donate $10 to the Clean the World Foundation. So do your part in being a good person today all right happy thursday everybody still got this cold you're hearing in my voice austin what is tomorrow it's a very special day how are you celebrating with your lady i'm going to hit some country concerts find me a lady oh no austin's a little <laughs> find me a wife. To mingle. i'm just trying to cuddle tomorrow dude Dude, there is without a doubt that there's going to be a big time take care night at your place in tuscaloosa alabama I wouldn't be surprised if John Langston breaks out the old guitar and starts playing some Drake. <laughs> I, I would love every bit of that, that's for sure. You know how many times he's going to like lift up his beer, he's going to be like, who's here with their ladies tonight with their significant other? And you're just going to be like, nope, not me. There's going to be a lot of that, but I mean, I feel like if people are going to a country concert on Valentine's Day, maybe they are single in the first place, so maybe it won't be the store one sticking out, but... Dude, I'm just trying to cuddle. That, though, you are it, very hopeful. I, I know it's not Tuesday, but the honor of the week is cuddling. We missed I out on that one on Tuesday. <laughs> who who says you. you still can't cuddle? I'm just saying you're not going to be cuddling. I don't, I don't mean to get, kick you while you're down, but uh, the odds are very low. I think they're high. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you I beg uh, to differ. You have, you're going into this show with supreme confidence right now. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to start it off. Not much to talk about. As you guys know, football's kind of come to the close. Um, but we can, we can jump into the topics that we do have. And there's one that is pretty juicy, and it's the Joel Embiid situation that's happening in Philadelphia right now. Never. I, I mean, okay, I'm not going to say I've never been a fan of Joel Embiid, but lately I definitely haven't been a fan of him. Early in his career when he was all over Twitter, you know, he was funny when he was sitting on Rihanna. Yeah, I like the guy a little bit. But now it's just, it's the same old, same old. He's he's not, It's sometimes he just doesn't even look like he's trying on the court. So I completely understand 76ers booing him, but the 76ers fans need to realize that if they're going to boo him, they need to be ready for the consequences, which are that Joel Embiid could probably leave the 76ers, and hey, he might even go down and join his friend Jimmy Butler in Miami. But right now, the 76ers fans are just fed up. This team is supposed to be good. They've trusted the process for so long, and now they finally got a team together that's supposed to be contending for the NBA championship or at least come out of the East, and they're not doing that. And, and, and Joel Embiid is one of the main guys to blame, coaching as well, but... Joel Embiid at times, he's, his lack of an effort is killing this team, and I think that's what the 76ers fans are the most fed up about. I think it's a combination of a bunch of things. Obviously, the losing doesn't help. This wouldn't be happening if they were if they were winning, but Joel Embiid is a personality that we saw from day one when he got drafted to Philadelphia. The infamous, the, the camera cuts to him after he gets drafted. You just He's clearly pissed off that he got drafted to Philadelphia. The camera cuts back to him. He acts like he's excited. Completely staged. But um, I don't know. Joel Embiid, it's, you get what you sign up for. When you, when you take Instagram as seriously as a guy like this does, I mean, he gets into the league. He's immediately going after Rihanna, and he's starting this whole process thing. Philadelphia buys in. They're obviously having some success apart from the playoffs. But when you get to a 
mid-February and you're not really looking that good, playoffs are honestly in question, and you have a roster like you do, in the city of Philadelphia, that doesn't fly. No pun intended with the Flyers. But that, that, that city is one city that is going to drag their nails on the chalkboard to make your life as miserable as they can if you are not, not succeeding. There's no doubt about it. And right now they're sitting at the, fi- at the fifth seed in the East, right behind the Miami Heat. So they're chasing their old guy and Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat who have put together a extremely impressive season. So if they go into that series, if it kind of stays where it's at, which I'm looking at it right now and I couldn't see a whole lot of movement. Maybe Boston, Miami switch it up a little bit. Um, 76ers, they need to hit some type of stride, get a nice win streak going to try to at least get home field advantage or home court advantage for the first round of the playoffs. But right now it's just not looking good. These guys are underperforming every time you turn around. They got that big win against the the Clippers this past uh, this past game. But I mean it's a regular season game. It doesn't really mean a whole lot, especially with the way that they've been playing in the past. But when this team, when Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid both score 25 or more points, they're 6-0. and So that's going to be the goal for the 76ers for the rest of the season is just try to get these guys scoring more and more. But they need them both to put forth an effort. It just seems like there's a clashing in the locker room right now, and it's leading to bad effort on the court. And it's killing this team, a team that should be coming out of the East for the NBA Finals. Yeah, I mean... Wh- when you mix bad with bad, it's 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 just not a great scenario. It's just as bad. You can imagine. If you mix bad yeah. with bad, it's just bad. Well said. <laughs> thank you. Uh, I yeah, thank you very much. Wise man once told me that. But we'll move on. Um, we'll mix some good into this because Zion Williamson drops his first thirty point game. Honestly, he's just he's tooting that big old ass up all <laughs> all around the court and and jumping out of the out of the, his sneakers i don't understand it the way that zion williamson can dunk we've i mean we've seen this for the past couple of years even since he was in high school but it, it the, the fact that it translates to the nba is beyond impressive and 30 points i mean he hasn't been in the he hasn't played many games but his presence has been shown from his from his debut into into later games uh zion williamson is if he can stay healthy he's going to live up to all the hype that was around him going into this year's draft Zion Williamson and all that junk in the trunk. He's just he's carrying the Pelicans right now, and it's and, and he's only a few weeks into his NBA career. It's it's actually amazing that he took off this much time of basketball and then picks up right where he left off in a level of basketball in that yeah, in a level of basketball that he's never even played before in his life. This is absurd. The guy's averaging twenty one points per game, seven point seven rebounds per game, two point three assists per game. That's uh, I mean. That's insane for a rookie that's starting out just coming in midway through the season while it's already in the full th- full swing of things, and he's just diving right in and playing so well, better than some of them probably expected coming off of this injury. So you really can't ask for much more than him, and honestly, the rookie of the year is not locked up with John Morant yet. If, 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 if the Grizzlies lose a few games here and the Pelicans start to catch them in that playoff race, Zion Williamson is 100% in the conversation and there's still a damn good chance that he wins it only playing half of the season, which is well, insane. Well, right now the Pelicans are five games back from John Moran's Grizzlies, so that is going to pay, 
play a key contributor in this rookie of the year as well because say the Pelicans come back after the break, they go on a win streak, um, and they take that, that Grizzly spot in the Western Conference, then they have to lock it up as Zion's, as Zion's award because clearly he just led them back from one of the bigger comebacks of a season. We saw them earlier in the year just losing and losing and losing. They looked terrible. Lonzo Ball looked like the worst trade that they could have ever gotten. And uh, But now you see Lonzo, Brandon Ingram coming together with – Obviously, Zion Williamson and, and the other key contributors of that team. So they're interesting for sure. There's a lot of basketball to be played. I'm not going to be watching it um, just because I can't really stand <laughs> NBA regular season. But, hey, I'll listen to Stephen A. Smith on 10 a.m. every morning. <laughs> no, I mean, this – you're right. The only way that Zion Williamson wins this rookie of the year is he has to jump the Grizzlies and make the playoffs because – you, you look at the Western Conference standings right now, and if the Pelicans are going to get the 8th seed, it's going to be because the Grizzlies lost out and got the ninth, and got the ninth spot and didn't make the playoffs because Dallas isn't going to throw this away. Dallas should make the playoffs pretty easily. Oklahoma City, they're sitting at 32-22, and 22, probably the surprise team out of the West this year. Definitely the most surprising, Chris Paul leading that team to, I mean, they're, they're a sixth seed right now. Really not bad, kind of surprising, but... With the, with the room that they have on the Pelicans and on the Grizzlies at this point in the season, I think that Oklahoma City solidifies themselves in the playoffs as well. So Pelicans, they can jump the Grizzlies, and if they do it, I don't see how Zion Williamson isn't your rookie of the year, especially if he continues to put up numbers like this. I'm with you. All right, um, more Andre Iguodala talk. So I guess he came back to the Bay for a Warriors game. They were doing some speech. I don't know what it was for, but – it was kind of a funny moment. I don't know if you guys saw this, but before the game, someone was giving a speech for Andre Iguodala, and Clay and Steph were rock, paper, scissoring to see who did it. And you're like, oh, they both want to do it so bad that they're rock, paper, scissoring. No. Clay ends up losing, and he had to do the speech. So it was a punishment to give Andre Iguodala a speech. I don't know if this is what they think of Andre Iguodala. Like, they're not very fond of him, and this is showing it for sure because. I mean, obviously, like I said, like you see them doing rock, paper, scissors to see who does the speech. I was anticipating the winner to go do it, not the person that lost as a punishment. Nah, they love this guy, but th- these two guys are solidifying themselves time and time again as the corniest dudes ever. <laughs> Definitely the corniest dudes in the NBA, but they honestly might be the corniest guys of all time. I, I cannot stand the antics that come out of those two in Golden State and I was hoping to see less of it now that they're so bad and those two aren't even playing. Um, but no, they're still finding ways to be as corny as possible. This being one of them. Andre Guadalla obviously getting the warm welcome, deservedly so, in the Bay. But yeah, I mean, the... the this story, the really, the really, the key story for me is how annoyed I am with Clay and Steph's corniness. That's literally all I've gotten out of this one right here. All right, then we'll move on because <laughs> I don't you. have much to say. Either. Thank you. I'm not the biggest <laughs> fan of Andre Iguodala in the first place, so we'll move on. And uh, another guy that I'm usually not a fan of, Trevor Bauer, who is obviously he's known for being weird. He once missed. I think he got on the 15-day DL, or no, he was out for the season because he cut his finger on a drone. He has just always been weird. He's, he's always throwing out hot takes. But for once, I think I really, really agree with this guy. And it's just him shitting on Rob Manfred, the commissioner of the MLB, calling him an idiot for the new playoff rules. And, and they're, they're, baseball's implementing a lot of new rules. And 
the main thing that Trevor Bauer is talking about is just marketing and MLB's marketing is just has to be the worst. Everybody knows that in any league you can watch a highlight on Twitter from some random account, some random sports account. In the MLB, it's different. If you don't know this, if say you see uh, Ronald Acuna go up and snag a snag a ball off the wa- ball off the wall, and it's the coolest play you've ever seen. Well, you're not going to see it on Twitter until the MLB tweets it, and then you have to credit them with their with their video. So there's no way of of getting that. Um, like getting their names out there and, and exposing their players to the world of Twitter and the world of social media because you can't do it unless you have the MLB's backing. And it could be 15, 20 minutes later when it's clearly not as big of a deal. Like the way social media works, it's second by second. It's such a second game that it getting the content out faster is better for everybody. And when the MLB is blocking accounts for just tweeting videos without consent, it makes no sense. And um, Trevor Bauer is basically just going off on a tangent about how players could be much more marketable and the MLB could be such a bigger league and it doesn't have to be a dying league. MLB and Rob Manfred are just choosing that it is is it going to be a uh, dying league. I agreed with Trevor partially on his thoughts and takes on the playoff rules for the MLB, but where he was 100% spot on was right at the beginning of his video that he posted, and it was him talking about the social media marketing of the MLB is just so bad, and we talked about this last episode with the XFL. They're off to a fantastic start popularity-wise because of how strong and profound they are on social media, on Twitter, on Instagram, you name it. These guys are all are were being talked about nonstop this past weekend. But the MLB, they're the complete opposite. It's like they're not interacting with the younger generations, and even people our age aren't are still are slowly starting to fade out as as ca- as casual MLB fans. It's tough to watch a league that doesn't have any social media around it because you look at the NBA and there's so much drama going on the players are so easily mark like they're so marketable they're so marketable because of their personalities they're interacting with one another openly but the MLB it's I mean, like here's no the, one uses the these thing. social media it blows my mind dude i promise you right now and it's not just because the amount of baseball fans that are in america but you take a guy like mike trout who is arguably one of the best sports players of all time look at the numbers his wins above replacement which is the new craze in MLB and all of baseball it's the most important stat that you can have his is like almost double the closest guy behind him he is clearly one of the best athletes we've ever seen I guarantee you I can show a picture to 20 people and five and 15 of them don't know who the fuck he is. And that's just the MLB's fault. Like it, we're literally witnessing a Michael Jordan right now or a, you know, go on and go on Tiger Woods of this generation and not many people can even watch him. Not because not just because social media isn't backing the MLB or MLB's not I guess backing social media. It's because the the games aren't very aren't broadcasted across the nation and i and i get that most people are saying well i don't want to watch a nine inning baseball game or blah 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 but sports center is not talking about baseball nearly isn't nearly enough and it's because the game is not where it should be and the mlb can fix this by just adding a few things and and letting the game grow itself instead of having these stupid old-time rules that aren't adjusting to the latest generation and aren't adjusting to the twitter craze and instagram craze there are accounts on instagram and on twitter with over 75 million followers that only post sports content and none of that is baseball and that's baseball's problem baseball they need to stop trying to change the rules of the game and juice the balls and things like that to get people's attention because 
the game's been popular for so long. It's not the game that's that's causing people to fade away from it. It's just people. It's not marketable it's anymore. They're not marketing it, well, it's just and it becomes forgettable. Exactly, but. Changing all these rules, the only thing that does, I think that's almost honestly just bad for baseball because the you of all the professional sports leagues in America, the MLB record books are the least relevant thing on the planet to me because they've changed so many things along the way, like juicing balls, there's there's been steroids. So all the record books are so different because so many there was to, so many different generations coming up in baseball. You had the steroid era, so a lot of those stats were boosted. Now they want to juice the balls, which is boost, which is boosting you know the younger generation's home run uh, numbers and things like that. So they continue to change the rules of baseball. All that's doing is ruining the MLB record book. So I hate every time they make a make a change like that, especially when there's such drastic changes. Um, that's why I, I wouldn't advocate for moving the games from nine innings to seven innings. But that's a whole different story for another time. They just gotta market better. It's it's plain and simple. Trevor Bauer, he was he was spot on. Couldn't have said it better myself. This they they just need to take one of the XFL's book and and. and start being more of a presence on social media and they do that and i guarantee you that their ticket sales will will jump at some point they'll increase i don't know about how much but they will increase 100 percent. yeah i mean here's baseball they they ha- actually have been growing in ticket sales the past two years it's been on a steady up uh increase so you're already working with something that's you're working with a fire that's already started all you need to do is grow it and it just seems like they don't want to and just the way that I mean, we've said it a million times in the past five minutes, but their marketing is so bad. I'm, I'm not. I'm a. I'm an exercise science major, and I could tell you that. I, I, I'm sure a lot of guys at Terry over here at the business school um, could probably plan it out much better than what Rob Manfred's doing in the MLB. Um, but we'll move on. Uh, we'll move on to some football. So, Taysom Hill, the Mormon missile, says he is open to leave the Saints this offseason. He is a restricted free agent for the right. For the right contract, he's saying that he believes he can be a franchise quarterback somewhere right now, and I personally, I believe him. I think that guy is he's growing in, in stature, and his, his abilities have been on the pedestal this past year and a half, so I, I'm all for it, and I think a team, if they want to go out and pay him, I think it's a good contract. I, I don't think he's going to be a bust at all. As a Saints fan, I, I'm just I'm torn right in half because I don't know what the smart decision is, and and it almost feels like the Saints couldn't go wrong either way. You choose Teddy Bridgewater; he's been great, went five and zero as a, as a starter for the Saints this past season, or you pick Taysom Hill. He's just got so much heart. He is around the age of thirty now, so but and he hasn't. And he's only thrown thirteen passes his entire NFL career. That's it. That's 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 it. <laughs> but. <laughs> the kids got hard. Obviously, the Saints see him every day in practice, and they full—they're they're fully backing this guy. They fully believe that he is a franchise quarterback. He's the risky pick for the Saints. He's the risky sign. You keep him; it's an obvious risk, but you could have some high reward. With Teddy Bridgewater, it's the obvious safe pick, and he already has a proven track record of pre- being pretty damn good. You know, five and zero, but. I think if Drew Brees retires, the Saints the Saints have a very damn good chance of bringing back Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom Hill. But if Drew Brees stays, they're going to have to choose one or the other. One hundred. I mean, they're not going to get all three back. There's there's no chance of that. But I don't know. It, it's a tough. It's tough because of how small of a sample size you have with Taysom Hill right now in the NFL. 
it, I, I mean, it's so tough. I'm so I mean, torn because I love We've the seen guy. Taysom Hill's success this past year, and we haven't seen his success as a quarterback. You watch, you watch the Saints all year. He's catching, you know, 35 yard plays and getting the ball downfield. He's not the person throwing that ball. He's receiving it. So I think that the Saints try to keep him. I think they go with Bridgewater as the quarterback and use Taysom as that slot guy, as that as that Swiss Army knife offense type deal where he's doing everything because. Like you said, he's 30 years old, and we don't know if he can throw a ball. You know, most 30-year-old quarterbacks have at least started a couple games. And, and with, with Taysom Hill, he's shown probably more success not being the quarterback than actually being taking the snap. Yeah, it's funny you say that because if he becomes the franchise quarterback for the Saints— I imagine they're not going to be able to. They're not going to be starting him on special teams anymore. So we're not going to get to see him block punts. He comes up with so many big plays on all different sides of the ball that putting him at a, as the quarterback actually might take away it. from the other part of the team. Like the receiving core would start to lack because he he just he makes such an impact no matter where he is on the field. And you can't start him at every position if he's your franchise quarterback because you don't want him to get hurt. That's the problem, too, going forward is, is will this guy get hurt? He takes hits all the time. He runs like... Well, the problem that comes along with that is Taysom in this news article said that he feels like he can be a franchise quarterback. And if I'm the Saints and I'm Sean Payton, you know that he's not a franchise quarterback. You just know that he is a very good player and a key contributor to your offense. That's why you go with Teddy Bridgewater, obviously, and, and hope that Taysom just stays in New Orleans because... I do think he'll have success if he leaves, but in the Saints offense, the way they use him, it's just it's not like they're going to sacrifice like you said the receiving core, the special teams and all the things that he contributes to because why would they? They they know that he has success in what he does already. There's no point in risking having him take, you know, throw the ball 30 times in a game just because obviously he's getting older, he's not going to be able to run as much. I I don't know. I feel like I might be contradicting myself a little bit, but if I'm the Saints, I'm trying to sign Teddy Bridgewater and and keep Taysom Hill as that Swiss Army knife position for my team. The other problem that comes up is if they do sign Teddy Bridgewater back, pretty much saying that he is going to be the starter, Taysom Hill, he's come out and already said, like, I believe that I'm a franchise quarterback, and I don't think the Saints are the only team that might think that because there's, there's going to be a lot of teams, they've already... Already reports coming out that a lot of teams are going to be reaching out to him. I don't know if they're going to be reaching out to him as saying, hey, we want you to come right in and be our immediate franchise quarterback, or if they want to do a Swiss Army type of thing like the Saints have been doing with him in the offense. But I don't know. I'm more curious to see if Taysom would re-sign with the Saints even after they had signed Teddy Bridgewater, knowing that he might not be the starter come come the regular season. It's interesting, and I guess it all really depends on whether or not Drew Brees wants to come back next year. I I think if he was going to retire, he probably would have broke the news by now. We're now two weeks removed from the Super Bowl. The Saints season's been over for over a month, so... I feel like that's kind of, I mean, the Saints organization definitely knows what his decision is, um, but I feel like he's kind of milking it. I don't know. My guess is probably 85% that Drew Brees does return for at least one more year, and uh, we'll see. We'll see what really happens, but I don't know. It just feels a little too drug out for me for him to just drop a retirement. I'm sure we'll revisit the subject once more stuff starts to become known, like if Drew Brees is staying or not, but... We'll wait until then. We'll move on for now. Jameis Winston, he's getting LASIK. 
Look out, yeah, NFL. I mean, look out, NFL, <laughs> because this guy, this guy is about to grab the NFL by the balls and show us what he's really about. We have seen the we've seen the pictures on Twitter of Jameis Squinston, as a lot of people call him. Clearly, he just can't see defenders. That's why he threw 30 interceptions. He was a part of the 30-30 club. His numbers are nuts. If interceptions wasn't a stat, then this guy would be probably the best quarterback to ever play. And I, I don't know if it's Bruce Arians' kind of air raid offense that he's been going with with Jameis Winston, but if this surgery is effective, I mean, I've seen LASIK kind of save people's careers. Brian McCann's gotten it like three times. He played for he played in the MLB for 16 years plus, so... Um, if this is effective for him and he can go back to the Florida State days when he was throwing 450 yards a game, you know, seeing his receivers well, James Winston can be a very good player. <laughs> it's actually really funny that we're going to get to see him post this operation or whatever you call it because he comes off as a pretty good quarterback, but he throws so many interceptions, and those interceptions that happen, you're always like, how did he not see him? And maybe this is your yeah. answer. Because I, I literally want yeah. that pick six he had to end the season against the Falcons. It was like, you're watching that game and you just, why? Why did he throw that? How did he not see it's him? It's crazy from a mile how he away. can have so many turnovers and keep his team in the game. It's constant week to week. Jameis is throwing three picks. I mean, it be, literally <laughs> became gonna, a meme He's going to be an like, MVP candidate next season if the surgery goes well. <laughs> exactly. But that's the thing. Like, there were people betting that there would be two turnovers in the first half just because they knew Jameis Winston was going to throw two. But you know what's attached to that? Four touchdowns and 350 yards. This guy can produce if he just cuts down a little bit of mistakes. Yeah. I mean, he just needs to be able to see his receivers a little bit better and, and know where the defender is standing when he throws these passes. Who knows? Maybe next year if he if he I don't I don't think he'll probably I don't I don't know what Tampa's doing with him, whether they're keeping him or not. But say he goes somewhere else and, and, and he gets a better coach and now he has vision where he can actually see the sky's the limit. This guy we're, we're looking no, at a future MVP candidate here. <laughs> yeah, I think he's yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, I, he should have gotten the MVP this year just for the <laughs> amount of interceptions he threw. Because you have to try to do that. That was hard what he did this season. 30 and 30 right on the I nose. That's hard. You have to try to do that. 30 <laughs> and to end your season. I mean, that's a story that will just never get old. And uh, I guess we'll close we'll close out on that. Oh, we got one more topic. Um, former UGA defensive coordinator and Colorado head coach Mel Tucker to Michigan State. My initial take on this is just, obviously, you guys know I'm mostly a Georgia fan, but I, I still have Michigan blood. And it's tough. I mean, you don't really ever want to root against the guys you like. Mel Tucker's a good guy. He built, you know, the best defense we've seen in the past couple of years wherever he's been. I mean, Georgia's defense right now is a product of him. I know Dan Lanning's that defensive coordinator now, but these are all Mel Tucker's guys. And and Georgia's defense the past five five years have been, you know, top five in the NCAA each year. He goes to Colorado. <laughs> Everybody loves him at Colorado. People were saying that he was building a uh, building a mantra and, and everything about that what he was doing was going in the right direction. I'm sure they're pretty sad that he will be leaving, but Michigan State's a good spot for him. When you think about the Big Ten, you think about those games that end 13-7, to and it's just a defensive battle. So I see Mel Tucker doing well at Michigan State. I don't see it happening for the next two to three years. Um, Michigan State, you look back, obviously, they, they went to the college football playoff not only, or, you know, however many years ago that was, not much. And they got blown up by Alabama. But that team was there because of 
Mike D'Antonio literally grinding that team to get where they were. He was there for so long. He never really had the best recruiting classes. He was a good coach. But now that you have to start fresh at Michigan State, it's much harder than building a program for as long as the previous coach was. Now you actually have to start from the bottom because this team was god-awful last year. And I guess if I had to pick anybody to do it, it would be Mel Tucker. But then again, as a Michigan fan, I don't want Mel Tucker to bring this program back. So I'm, I guess I'm hoping for his uh, his fall, but I'm also cheering for his rise. I'm wishing Mel Tucker the best because he's coming on to this Michigan State team where Mark D'Antoni, when he retired, he left this team in shambles because because of the time that he retired. I, I believe it was like one day before signing day. I mean, that probably yeah. ruined a whole lot of high school decisions because these guys were like, oh, he just retired the day before they were going to make their decision. That was probably extremely stressful for all those people. Well, here's the thing. You can look at it that way, Austin, or you can look at it the other way. I've seen coaches in the past, Greg Madison, uh, former defensive line coach of Michigan, he actually, uh, well, bad, bad example, but I've seen coaches in the past where they have gotten the signing day like offensive coordinators or position coaches after recruiting these guys and then left so these guys signed their letter of intent there's nothing they can do about it they're going to this school and then boom you know Pete Carroll leaves USC after this whole recruiting class signed to go play with Pete Carroll at USC so leaving before these players really sign their life away to this school for the next three to four years is kind of okay especially the circumstances that um that D'Antoni had because he had just gotten a $5 million bonus like a week before he resigned. He had to be there for so long for this bonus to hit. He gets that, he cashes his check, bounces. But not only that, they were mentioned in um, a recruiting scandal that he was very well um, aware of and all this stuff. So he bounced out of that as well. So I think D'Antoni's just sitting back on his couch right now relaxing Mm -hmm. and like you said, it does kind of screw over the recruits. Recruits were very mad over Twitter. I saw some recruits take it to Twitter. Tyler Simmons, player for Georgia, his brother was committed to go to Michigan State. He added Mark D'Antoni on Twitter and shit on him. So that's funny. But um, I don't I don't know. I, I think Mel Tucker is going to get this program right. I'm sure that the guys that were committed to Michigan State and planning on signing held off. And I think you're stupid if you don't go. Don't go to Michigan State now that they got a good hire like this. I have all the faith in the world in Mel Tucker, but I think that he does have a little bit of a road ahead of him, and it might take a little bit to get this team back into relevancy, but next year I think is going to be a really tough year for these guys. The following year, probably just as tough, and maybe we'll start to see some improvement by year three, but he's got a little bit of a road ahead of him. I'm wishing him the best. Obviously a good guy, but... um. I don't know. Right now, if I'm a Michigan State fan, I'm not necessarily comfortable. I'm a little more comfortable with this hire, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm still. I'm still hovering right over the panic button. I'm with you. I mean, three and nine two years ago, and and now this past year, which I don't know their record, but I know for a fact it was very bad. Uh, this this team needs some help, and uh, we'll see what East Lansing East Lansing can do about it. But. We're ending our show on that. I hope you guys have a great Valentine's Day tomorrow with your lovers. Um, I'll eat some chocolate if you're if you're solo like Austin. I'm sure he's gonna be dancing. <laughs> you don't have to keep bringing it up at, at the, the beginning and sequence. the end. <laughs> yeah, I, that's brutal. That's on me. But yeah, just really pour it on we'll here. You, uh, you will hear from us on Tuesday morning. So hopefully this cold. All day. right. Hey, happy Valentine's Day. And now it's time to hit that. Damn music, baby.
Don't you cry no more.